The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. Episode 218. Wow, we are rolling along. And today, it's a very special show. For the first time ever since Lemmy passed away, his partner in rock and roll, his brother, the guitar player for Motorhead, Phil Campbell, is here on Talk is Jericho giving an exclusive interview to me and to this show. First interview he's done, like I said, since the passing of, of, of the iconic frontman of Motorhead, Lemmy. And he's sharing some great stories and memories about his brother in arms. And we're going to kick it off with Phil Campbell on lead guitar on Fozzie's She's My Addiction. Crank it up. Here we go. Yeah. 
solo for She's My Addiction by Fozzie off the Sin and Bones record, and he's got some great stories today. Phil was in Motorhead for 32 years since he was a 22-year-old kid, and even he admits he's not quite sure what to do with himself now. He's so used to being out on the road. Uh, Motorhead was such road warriors, um, or in the studio with the band, very prolific uh, output-wise for new material. But Phil is back in the studio. He's working on a solo album. He'll tell us about that. He's got some great stories about uh, visiting Ronnie James Dio's house and uh, winding up at another famous rocker's gated mansion uh, who they didn't like each other. Uh, great stories about Lemmy, pranks they pulled on each other, pranks that Phil pulled on other people. Good stories, good laughs, and a great time. Very cathartic with Mr. Phil Campbell, uh, Lord Wanksmith, Lord Lord Wanker, Axsmith, whatever they call him, the uh, king of comedy. Phil Campbell is here. So it's a great show to, to, to check out. I'm glad you're here. And if you've subscribed uh, on iTunes, that is amazing. You'll never miss a show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for, man? If you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. You'll never have to remember to go download or stream at Talk is Jericho. The show will be waiting for you every Wednesday and Friday morning like clockwork, automatically delivered right to the device of your schwas. Doesn't get any better than that, does it, right? And hey, while you're subscribing on iTunes, take a minute, leave us a five-star rating and comment. Comment. You know I love your feedback. If you show off your creativity and cleverness in the comment section, I might just read it out loud right here on this show, huh? What do you think about that? So subscribe, leave a five-star rating and a clever comment, and help out Talk is Jericho. You know I appreciate it. All right, we're talking about the death of Lemmy at 70 years old. David Bowie passing away at 70 years old. Glenn Fry, who I gave a shout-out to on Raw this week. Uh, everyone's talking about the new kid in town. Of course, AJ Styles. But it's always good to drop a little rock and roll into the promos that I do. Glenn passed away as well at, uh, I believe it was 69 or 70. So a lot of uh, Jamie Bain passing away from, from Dio's band. Paul Katner from uh, Jefferson Starship. So many greats. Uh, basically dying in the first month of 2016 and people are like come on death take a break take a holiday this is ridiculous but you got to think about this i was doing a little research in that so the modern era of rock and roll basically started in the 50s and then more so in the 60s we have never had um anything like that before and also too about about these guys still playing and still being around when you were 40 when you were my age 45 years old like 20 years ago you were considered like a super old man now, um, it's really not in your 40s and 50s and 60s. And even in the 70s, it's like, oh, he was 70. He died so young. Because these guys are still out there on the road gigging and performing. I mean, Lemmy played right up until the day he died, basically. Glenn Fry, the Eagles just finished their, their huge tour back in July or August. David Bowie, very prolific the last few years of his life, putting out new material. So it, it made me start to think, like, what, of course, it's a, it's, it's a surprise when these guys die. But we have to expect it. Because... The guys that were huge in the 60s and 70s are now in their 60s and 70s and 80s. So I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of iconic, game-changing, world-changing performers passing away because basically it's old age. 
you know, um, I was looking uh, through some stuff. I mean, you know, Fats Domino still alive, Little Richard still alive, Chuck Berry still alive. So of course, when those guys pass away, it's gonna be oh my gosh, here's another one. But they're eighty year old men. You know, you, you don't last much longer in your life than that. You know, if you get to your eighties or nineties, or some people make it to a hundred. But you know what I'm talking about. It's like very um, difficult to. Um, you know, to, to, to last longer than that for, for lack of, uh, for lack of better term. Right. So if you go through and see some of these iconic people, I mean, like I said, um, you know, Fats Domino, 88 years old, Chuck Berry, 89 years old, Harry Belafonte, 88 years old, uh, you know, some really, really huge Barry Gordy, the creator of Motown, 86 years old. Um, so you can see like Loretta Lynn, 83, Petula, Yoko Ono, 82, Quincy Jones, 82, Willie Nelson, 82, um, Frankie Valley of the Four Seasons, 81, Pat Boone, 81, Leonard Cohen, 81. You know, so th- these guys are legit octogenarians, is that what it's called? Jerry Lewis is 80, Johnny Mathis is 80. So it's going to be no shock and no surprise when when people start passing away. Uh, and those guys are kind of, you know, you hear their name, uh, not really active performers, but guys who are still out on the road. Mick Jagger, 72 years old. Stone's touring right now in Brazil. Robert Robinson, Robbie Robinson, 72 years old, still playing and performing. Uh, Al Jardine with the Beach Boys, he's 71. Brian Wilson is 73. Aretha Franklin, 73. Graham Nash, 73. McCartney. McCartney, probably the biggest rock star in the world. He's 73 years old. He's still out there performing and gigging. But when his time comes, it's going to be such a huge loss. But, you know, once again, this is the world we live in, you know, no matter how young at heart the guys are, and thank goodness for that because it gives us all, uh, you know, uh, hope. It still shows that time goes on. You know, time stops for no man. Bob Dylan, 74. Simon and Garfunkel, both 74. I mean, you look at William Shatner, Talk is Jericho, double alumni, 85 years old. Um, so, and we've never had that before in this society because most of the time when you you know got to be 40 or 50 that was it you packed up you retired at 65 you get your gold watch went home but these guys are still out there and then plus they, they all changed the world so much they're such iconic not just for their music but for their their effect on society i mean you talk about guys in the 60s like the beatles or the stones or you know crosby stills and nash and neil young and all these type of guys they almost changed what society was doing uh, how people dressed how people acted how people treated each other uh, it was a lot, uh, a true rock star in that sense. I don't know if we'll get too many more of those. You know, after U2 and Metallica and, and, and Guns N' Roses and Nirvana, those type of bands that changed the world, we don't really have that anymore. And I think maybe Slipknot and Avenged Sevenfold are like the last of the Mohicans when it comes to heavy rock bands that are legit arena touring bands. And you got bands like, you know, Imagine Dragons or 21 Pilots or... Um, Fallout Boy, Five Seconds of Summer. They're arena rock bands, but they're still not... It's, it's, there's, there's something disconnected about those bands when you compare them to the Beatles and the Stones and Metallica and Iron Maiden and U2 and I guess bands that really kind of changed the genre of music that they were playing. I think we've seen so much and so much has been done. It's going to be really difficult to change the world with with a band and with a style of music. You know, Metallica, the first super heavy mainstream thrash band. But now everybody's that heavy. I mean, you go on to Fall Out Boy and they've got thrashy parts, for example. I mean, I don't know if they do, but you know what I'm talking about. So who can be the next band that changes the rules? We don't know. 
and that mystique of, of those bands are gone too because everything is so accessible now on YouTube and on you know social media and all that sort of stuff. So you know your favorite band back in the day, you wanted to go see them, you had to go to the arena. Now maybe I'll skip going to the arena and you know the Guns N' Roses you know reunion, quasi reunion, whatever you want to call it. I'll miss the first couple shows and I'll check them out on YouTube. I'll see what the set list is and I'll, it eliminates a lot of the surprises uh, of going to the show yourself. And that's my fault, but that's just you know it's very convenient. Once again, it's it's the world that we live in, right? So when you're talking about the Beach Boys and the Stones or Neil Diamond at 74 years old, those type of guys, Ringo Starr is 75, you know, right? So, you know, like I said, 20 years ago, these guys would be your doddering old fool grandfathers like sitting at home gardening, uh, you know, talking about the old days with a Cadillac Cutlass and their chinos and all that sort of stuff. It's not like that anymore. Those guys are still very vibrant um you know, contributing members to showbiz and they all look great and they've got, you know, cool hair and they'll still rock and still sing good. And I like that, but it's not a surprise when you see, Oh my gosh, he died. And this guy's going to die. And I think over the next few years, I mean, you look at Elton John and uh, like I said, those type of guys as well, everybody is getting up there. So when they pass away, don't be shocked and don't be surprised and, and don't be sad because if you can last, I mean, someone was telling me the day that their grandmother died in their sleep uh, after eating, uh, you know, bacon and eggs and smoking two cigarettes at 95 years old. Like, if you can go out that way, you're you're cool. You know, I read about a, a famous BMX uh, rider today, like a, a great mountain biking guy. His name was um, Kelly uh, Green, Kelly Green, Kelly Greenwood. Maybe that's what his name is. Kelly McGarry, sorry. Passed away at 33 years old. Great mountain biker, like extreme mountain biker. He died extreme mountain biking, right? So if you can, like, die doing what you love doing, then is it really so bad after all? You know, like I said, like Lemmy touring till the end and then basically passing away very quickly. Like, you know, at 70, 80 years old, if you can live your life the way you want to live it and enjoy your life and enjoy yourself and have a great time doing it, then, you know, we all got to go out somehow. So I think the lesson to be learned is, yes, we lost Glenn Fry and David Bowie and Lemmy and Jimmy Bain and, you know, Alan Rickman and all these very talented, great, very great artists. But these guys were in their late 60s, early 70s, getting into their 80s. So um, it shows that the world has really changed. And now it's not so much age really literally is just a number. And now it's about the attitude you have about the work that you're doing and about the, uh, you know, the lives that you can touch while you're doing it. So. God bless all of those guys. God bless all of the icons who are still alive and still rocking, still killing it every night on stage. It gives us all uh, inspiration. And like I said, at the top of the heap of that inspiration is William Shatner at 85, still touring the world, as you heard on uh, Talk is Jericho a few weeks ago. So anyways, talking about Lemmy, talking about Phil Campbell, great guitar player, one of the backbones of Motorhead, Lemmy's right-hand man for 32 years and in one day loses his best friend, loses his bandmate, and loses his gig. So we're going to talk to Phil, some great stories. Uh, his first interview since the passing of Lemmy coming up. All right, on the line is uh, one of the biggest uh, the biggest toss pots I've ever met in my life and uh, a very good friend of mine, Mr. Phil Campbell. And uh, it's great to talk to you, man, today. Hey, Chris, how are you doing, man? Uh, it's great to talk to you, as always. You know, uh, I guess we... We'll have to be kind of behaved on the phone this time because it's going out. It's not a private conversation. <laughs> yeah. We don't. We we normally abuse each other big time and everything like that. Yeah, 
And uh, I believe I believe Lars Ulrich's calling in. I believe Lars, Lars has a pre-recorded a question for me later. Yeah, I, I think it's possible. Yeah, I got he's got a question yeah, yeah, for okay, you. Yeah, a question. Out. It's, anyway, good. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. So I'm. This is the first uh, the first time I've poke, uh, spoke publicly since uh, you know my 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 brother in arms passed away and everything. But uh, it's an honour. I'm glad it's with you anyway because you were always you were a good friend. You understood what, what we were about and everything. Yeah. And, um, so here we go. It's been uh, it's been a, a rough couple of weeks for everybody, and the one person that that you meant, like you just said, nobody has really heard much from 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 Phil, Phil Campbell, um, and that I'm sure it's it was probably a huge blow, like you said, your brother in arms, because you were in Motorhead for over thirty years. Thirty two years next month it would have been Chris. Yeah, I'm trying to work out. It's probably five thousand ish shows. About. There's 16 studio albums, about 20 million jokes, and about <laughs> 25 million miles, planes, planes, and automobiles. And uh, it's still, I'm still in shock, actually. I know. He was like a slash told me he was a, he was a constant. Like he's always been here in mm-hmm. our lives, Lem. You know, for you, I'm speaking for yourself and many people out there. But yeah. he, at least he, he did it his way. Anyway, I'm really proud of the. F- he was he did it so. He really did it. He didn't give. He didn't. He lived it as he wanted to live it, and not many people can actually do that one hundred percent. You know, when you're looking at his funeral, I'm sure you you might have watched it on, on YouTube, or maybe you didn't. But I was saying to Slash, actually, actually, you'll never see another um, uh, another guy in the rock and roll world that has the amount of people that came to his funeral and that reached out and that were were affected. By the, le- uh, the the death of Lemmy, I mean, you look at that funeral with Dave Grohl and Ozzy and Gene Simmons Everyone, and I know there was everybody's there. everybody's there. I couldn't even, yeah, I, I couldn't even go, Chris, because because um, my because I've got this minor health problem and right. um, it's it's been sorted now. Uh, but my surgeon, he, he advised me. He said, "Don't really, he didn't want me to fly for eleven hours." Mm-hmm. So I just sent a a six foot mirror with a. A line of his favorite on it in flowers, you know, was a mark of respect. But um, I, wa- I watched, I watched it. It was, it was hard to watch. And I, I mean, that's only th- I haven't watched anything else. Yet. I haven't read any more articles or nothing. It's really difficult for me at the moment. But it will, it will come. It's just going to take a lot of time. Well, and like you said, I mean, this this happened so quickly because I was at uh, Lem's birthday party, which was December thirteenth. Yeah. And I mean, and you were with him obviously every day. He looked really, really weak and kind of, uh, you could see that I was like, oh man, I wonder what's going on. But then he gets the announcement of, of being very, very sick with cancer. And then two days later, he's gone. So a huge surprise for everybody. And I'm sure even the bigger surprise for you. Well, I t- yeah, I t- well, what happened our end? The thing is, he played better on this last tour now before Christmas than he did in the summer. Really? He was, he was, he looked a lot thinner. He didn't look so well. But he, he played his ass off, man. He played so well. You know, he, he was mm. amazing, he was. You know, but, um, you know, I was the one that ended up. I had, a, like, a brief spell in hospital. But, but mm. he, he was amazing. He, but he, he was, did, didn't look brilliant, but I couldn't believe how he was playing. He must have pulled every ounce mm. of energy out. I don't know if he had a premonition or, or not. But um, we were told after the Boxing Day thing that he had, like, six months, uh, he was told... On Boxing Day, six months between two and six months, but it's more likely to be like like two months. Mm-hmm. So then, the day after, then we get a call saying, "Oh, you better 
guys, you better you better come over within a week. I mean, shit, shit, shit. I thought I was speaking to Mickey and everything. And then doing that call, I was, it was all over. And that was... Never got a chance, like... So so fast, but, um, right? It was brilliant. I, I did everything else with a guy. I just didn't make his funeral, but I, I did everything else with a guy. So that makes me feel really cool. Well, absolutely. Because you know? <laughs> the, la- the last couple of years for Motorhead, because, you know, the, 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 the constant... Uh, you know, kind of joke was that Lemmy and Keith Richards would would out survive all of us, and Lemmy up until about two years ago w- never stopped and 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 looked and played the same. But it's been a hard couple of years for him. He was slowly kind of declining in health. Yeah, yeah, but but he he, he was a surprising guy. You you know him. You know him mm-hmm. very well yourself, Chris. But he sure. was, he was full of surprises. I, I remember one time it was must have been fifteen twenty years ago. We went playing some place in Germany. I don't know, like a, a big club or whatever. It was, wasn't a bad gig, and he got pissed off with something like that. And I don't know. And he, he, we walked off the stage, and he, it was a metal door. It was like five inches thick metal door, the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And he just grabbed it and pulled it off his hinges. <laughs> so I thought, ooh, bloody hell! So I, I didn't argue with him very much after that. Like, you know, <laughs> I saw the occasional peanut at him, but that was about it, really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was. He was an original, like, and like they've all bad. It's been a really bad time for everyone. But um, the, out, the outpouring of grief and and good wishes mm-hmm. has been amazing. My phone it didn't stop, and my this, my Twitter things and all all of the, the stuff you know the media yeah. it was unbelievable. You know, and I I got so much respect for these for everyone really, and I'm I'm really glad that I was. I could spend all our time with him, you know. Well, well, it's, it's great. Lemmy and Motorhead and yourself and Mickey. It got to the point where you guys became an iconic band, and uh, like you said, just a constant. Like Motorhead is has always been there. So I think when fans realize what happened with Lemmy, it's like they don't want to let Motorhead go as well. It's like you lose Motorhead as well as losing Lemmy, yeah, which that's you, kind of a double whammy. Good. I know. Yeah, it's like that. I'm, I'm feeling it more worse than. It. Anyone, I, I saw them, I was with them all, and I've been in my family. I've been married for 33 years, like, mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, it's, um, everyone's respecting everyone. Yeah. Even if you didn't, I, I, I truly believe, even if you never met Lem, but the, and, and you were a music lover, I, I really, people are, must be seriously affected by it, you know. Well, yeah. Like but it, was, it was great. I'm, 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 uh, I'm really honored, like. All our time with him, you know. Let me ask you a question. Right, the, actually, the last thing that I ever did with Lem when I went to his birthday party, I went and talked to him just briefly. He wasn't really talking much, but uh, he, he stuck up his his pinky, and I thought that was a little bit strange. So I, I I gave him like you know a pinky swear, pinky shake. But then I realized that that's what you and Lem did every night on stage. We did on, on Metropolis. At, um, I think it was yeah, yeah. We, we, we uh, I, I used to walk across. And I used to I used to stand on stage right to him, and we put our little fingers together, and then I hold the feedback every single night. And on the last show in Berlin, which of, of course we didn't realize it was uh, that was going to be the last ever motorhead show in Berlin. I, I thought, ah, but I'll sneak across to his left, mm-hmm. you know, just because yeah. I'm Phil Campbell. Just to, you know, we always messed about on stage. We had a good laugh, and it was just just weird when I realized that afterwards. It's the only time I've done it in five thousand odd shows. Went to the left. It doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Like I'm not going to change my religion or anything. Thinking about it, it's just weird. Like and yeah, I don't. I, I really don't know. I don't know if you had some. 
I, I really, I'm not sure, like, you know, but he, he, I know he was pumping it out amazingly at the end, like like an 18-year-old. He was brilliant. He must have taken everything from his heart and soul, Chris. To, mm, uh, to be able to play that guy. Achieve what he did, yeah. So, it was brilliant, yeah. It was amazing he was. Was, was, was that pinky uh, shake just kind of a sign of respect or just a tradition that you guys did? I don't know, just a tradition. I don't know how it started yeah. out, like. I was just curious. I don't know, like, it was, it was, well, middle fingers have probably been on our own asses too much, so we had to use the pinky. Like, I don't really know. Just so it's, we've, it's so long back, it's like going back into a, you know, medieval times. <laughs> we don't know how it started. It's so, one of them things we, we used to do. Like, uh, So what was your last conversation with him? Was it in the dressing room and I'll see you later type of thing? I think I think we came off. We did the, we did the bow. Mm-hmm. We did the bow and we'd all be all up separate dressing rooms, like, because... Uh, because it's better that way, you know. Mm. You know, right? For various reasons, you know. I have sheep in my room. <laughs> Mickey likes to sleep. Lem likes to have chicks in his room. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think we walked back, and I, I it was a, it was the last gig of the tour, and I, I just shook his hand. I said, I think I said, Lem, uh, nice one, man. Brilliant. You played great tonight. I'll, um, I'll speak to you. I'll, I'm still thinking of something to get you for your birthday, because. He gives me guitars for my birthday every year. Like you know, I've got I've had three guitars off him mm-hmm. for various birthdays. I had one last year, really cool guitars. You know, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to buy him just a little trinket. So that was basically my last conversation. But I always, when we did the bow on stage, let me be in the middle and always give him a good grip. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But, um, yeah. What, what but, was the, what yeah. was the, what was the dynamic between between the three of you and Motorhead? I mean. A lot of comedy, a lot of laughing. Did you guys ever get in big arguments or anything like that? Yeah, we'd, we'd argue over the music, mm-hmm. but um, we'd argue over what time, uh, over the volume, Mickey D's voice on the tour bus. But we'd argue over the music. But basically, no, we were um, after 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 a good few years together. I mean, Mickey was with us twenty two years or something like that. Yeah, uh, twenty two years. But you you you. You learn when you spend that much time together, Chris. You you learn to respect everyone's going to be different. I used to do stuff that Mickey wouldn't particularly agree with or Lem, and and everyone would be the same. But you would learn to accept it, mm-hmm. you know. And you you know, there's the occasional boundary. You, you try not to overstep everyone's boundaries and that. But uh, there was a lot of humour in it. Mickey Mickey could be the most amazingly funny guy. We were all good. When it's, when the three of us got together, like it was, it was, it was nothing quite like it, really. No. I don't believe it. I, could, I, I don't believe it. The stuff people tell me myself. Remember when you did this? Remember when you guys did that? You know, <laughs> you know, you know, you've even helped with us enough. Yeah. Well, you you're, know? you're uh, quite the, you're quite the pranks. Did you ever pull any pranks on Lemmy? Millions of them. Millions of them. We have to, we have to do an entire show just on pranks. <laughs> well, tell uh, us a couple. Uh, he's had a few sandwiches, which the filling. Fillings weren't quite what he expected. But. <laughs> <laughs> the old, was it the Spinal Tap shit sandwich? <laughs> I'm not saying anything, no, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's not, nothing, nothing vicious. Like, yeah, we've, got, we've done all sorts of stuff. Like, uh, I remember one I, it's a funny story with um, what is something funny? Victor, our assistant, mm-hmm. one of our assistants. Lem was having trouble like six months ago putting one of his boots on mm-hmm. and his, his two assistants here go, oh, oh, push. And they sweat in and they pull, they're trying to pull one of his boots on. And it, after like 20 minutes, they found out Lem still had a pair of socks stuck in the boot. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wasn't actually there for that, but I can imagine the sweat on, on Victor, poor Victor, and Ian, right. and everything. I know. Well, you mentioned being in Motorhead for, for 32 years. Um, Just about, yeah. How, how did you get the call to, to join, and, and what did you think at first? Because Motorhead was notorious for being a pretty uh, heavy, partying, crazy rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've... I used to party heavier than than Motred when I was sixteen. Anyway, <laughs> right. no, I just you know I no, I my wife just said oh I don't know I just applied for a job and I ended up getting it. I think it's quite well documented. But um, well, I'm, I'm just curious. Though, like, did did Lemmy, did Lemmy know you at all, or did you have any relationship, or did you just show up for an audition cold and he liked you the best? I I, I always thought it was one of it was such I, I met Lem first when I was twelve. I still got a program at home when he was in Hawkwind. Okay. I went to see Hawkins when I was twelve, and he, he was signed as he was the only one I came out in the foyer mm-hmm. in the Cap, Cardiff Capital Theatre, and he signed his old autograph. It was ah, like Lem or something like that. And then, um, then my old band Tours and Risk, we supported Motorhead in Cornwall on the last gig of the Europe of the British tour with Brian Robertson. Mm-hmm. So I I went in his dressing room and I just steamed in and said, "Come on, boy." Where you guys go? What are you guys doing? Let's have some beer off here, whatever it was, blah, blah, blah. And then um, then I, I only found this out recently, actually, because um, I'd always been led to believe that, like, Lemmy, when Lemmy did interviews, he, he said, well, Phil Taylor liked, it's like when me and Wurzel, me and Wurzel were like the two, the last two up for the job. Mm-hmm. You know, Motor had always been a three-piece. And, I, and uh, he said, well, I've listened to him doing interviews. He said, well, one of us liked Phil and one of us liked Wurzel, and then we ended up. We set off. We loved the both you guys, like. And I always, I always thought for some reason that Filthy wanted me and Lem wanted Wurz. But I found out, I don't know, a year or so ago, not not that long ago, that it was Lem wanted me, which really, which I was quite shocked and quite pleased with that. Like, but it's it's been bad, man. Filthy's gone, Wurzel's gone, and I'm the only member left from a 1916 album lineup and yeah. all that stuff, you know. Yeah, that's kind of a... Everyone, it's, it's really bad, Chris. It's, it's not... Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. This thing, I know. But you've got to keep, you've got to keep going, man, haven't you? Yeah, I, it's funny. I have a, a picture of, uh, uh, from about 1998 of the guys that I used to hang out with. And there was four of us in the picture, and I'm the only one still alive now. And I saw that picture the other day, and it's, it's kind of strange. You know what I mean? It makes you feel sad, but it makes you feel kind of weird. And it's, uh, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not, a, not a great feeling to know that. No, it's not. I know. You're going to be alive for a while, though, because I saw a picture of you jumping about six foot in a bloody air the other day. <laughs> yeah. Camera you, angles. You lucky bastard. You're a lucky sod. You wait till you get to my age, Chris. Uh, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be out of breath walking downstairs, pal. But that became kind of your role in Motorhead, especially over the last few years where Lemmy wasn't really moving much. You you kind of had to pick up the slack on stage and, and move back and forth quite a bit. Yeah, I'm the only one in I. It's, it's Mickey stuck behind the drums, and Lem's he's stuck by the. Even even before even before Lem Lem got a little sick years ago, mm-hmm. you know, I, it was fun. I was always kind of more reserved in the old days. But then when Wurzel left, I thought, right, let's let's go it. And I, I like to I like to sweat, you know. I don't have I don't have unless it's really bad or I'm I'm pretty sick. I don't have a fan going there. I like I like to sweat. So anyway, I lose weight. I don't go to gymnasiums like you lot. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you go. You just go and read a paper anyway, don't you? Yeah. Read a paper, go get a protein smoothie, and just leave. Just, just to say I went. Madeline, reading a paper. Yeah. It's not really a paper, though, is it? 
<laughs> an adult mag in the middle of it. It looks like a, it looks like a Financial Times, but I know you. I know you guys. <laughs> Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Tell me the story. I mean, like I said, you got so many pranks, and you told me a great one before with uh, Dio and the USA Today newspapers, speaking of papers. Oh, USA? Oh, yeah, yeah. This was actually the best prank that I've ever done, and I'm glad I came up with it. It was, it was, it was um, Judas Priest, uh, Heaven and Hell, Motorhead Testament on tour for about, I don't know, a month or whatever. So poor Chuck Billy... The night before in, in Los Angeles, the, the penultimate night, the night before the last gig, he said, Campbell, it's the last night of the tour tomorrow. We're going to outdo you. And I went, oh, Chuck, just go away. I said, I'm in a different league in you. I said, all right, go, just go away. Right, so then I forgot. I forgot and, I, and I said to my manager, Todd, I said, oh, I'll probably rent a horse or something like that. And I forgot about it. And then uh, the next day, I mean, it was um, the Shoreline Amphitheater, so, uh, not far from San Francisco, Chris. Yeah. And uh, the tour manager came in, right, last call, anyone want anything from the runner? I said, um, yeah, yeah, hang on, hang on. I want f- six bags of marbles. That was like a plan C. I said, 15, no, 25 USA Today newspapers and one large horse. <laughs> huh? so, um, yeah, so they they turned up, they turned up later with a, with a, with a, a horse. So what, what I did, the marbles were just in case they couldn't get a horse and everything, so... When Testament blew out, everyone knew about everyone knew about this except for the band Testament. Chuck's girlfriend Tiff yeah. knew about it, and she said to Chuck, "She said, look, after the third song, <laughs> so gullible, <laughs> you American people, like whatever." <laughs> but uh, after the third song, she said, "Just stop and just take a moment and say we'd like to thank Priest and Motred and, and Heaven and Hell." And that was the cue. So I came on with a dress that Ronnie Ronnie Deal gave me, <laughs> blue wig. <laughs> a long wig and riding his horse. Lemmy was Lemmy had a, a sweeping brush and a towel over his head, like a thing like that. And Mickey had my mine. I like to point out it's mine right. and my Mexican outfit. So it looked like he was riding a donkey. And then they just they couldn't deal with it. They couldn't deal with it like that. So then, so that was the first ban. Right. And then I then I got I got changed quick into my Motred clothes, or whatever. Did the Motred show. Then as soon as we finished. As heaven and hell, the crew were setting up. I rushed out into the crowd. I said, "Look, I just I started distributing only myself, single-handedly, twenty-five copies of USA Today newspapers." I said, "Look, it's the, it's the last gig tonight. I'm playing the pranks on everyone." So it was a. I said, "Pass them round, pass them round." Right. So basically, so when when heaven and hell came on stage, it was, it was Tony Iommi in it and Ronnie mm-hmm. and Vinnie and, and everyone like you know. So when he came on stage like that, the first fifteen rows were. Reading a piece of newspaper, each like that. <laughs> I looked, looked across the stage, right, and I'm there, giving them the finger up. I, you know, it was me straight away. <laughs> and a Jewish priest wanted to cancel, I heard, but um, 
I didn't think they wanted to go on. They didn't, but I didn't. Do, that was the thing. I didn't do nothing to priests, see. But they were crapping themselves all, <laughs> all, all thing. <laughs> that was one of my best, actually. That, but it's got to be done, haven't it? Oh, that's up there, man. That's a great one. The pictures available on the internet as well. I'll, um, I'll send you a couple anyway, Chris. Yeah, I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, the big laminate on on the horse. It had to be tranquilized as well because of the volume. Oh, yeah. my. <laughs> the horse was called Amber. Yeah, it had a big, it had like. Um, of eight, uh, like a size of A4 laminate round his neck, trying to be tranquilized as well. I still send postcards to the horse as well, yeah. So what, yeah. You, you mentioned that you asked for the marbles just in case the horse didn't make it. What were you going to do with the marbles? Just roll them across the bloody stage at <laughs> random, see what happened. Yeah. How it was it? It would have been a bit cheaper, but it, you know, just throw them across the stage, isn't it? When the lights go out, when it's a bit of dark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, songs. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You know, when you first get into a new band, it always takes a while to kind of get to get to really know the people in the band and really get to feel that, that, that companionship with them. When you first got into Motorhead, was Lemmy easy to get along with? Was he a little bit gruff? Or how long did it take before you guys really felt like, before you really felt he was your friend? It was pretty, it was, it was, a, it was weird after the first audition. It was like you said, oh, come on, we go, we go out for a drink. It was just me and him that night. Mm-hmm. We went to the Sam Moritz Club in London, so we go down. We go down. It's like a basement club in Wardour Street. This, this was a bit odd, actually. So I, I knew I'd never been in London in my life. Well, not really. You know, I didn't know anyone in London. So he said, "What do you want to drink, Phil?" I said, "Oh, I don't know. Just give me a beer." So I'm, I'm there. I'm sitting on a table by myself now. It's about ten o'clock at night. I don't know anyone there. Just quiet basement club. And Lem goes on the machine. Mm-hmm. And an hour later, he's still on the machine. And I'm just sitting there with a beer, everything. <laughs> Three hours later, he's still on the machine. He's just looking across. Are you all right, Phil? I am all right, Lem. Uh, I thought, I did that before I realized he was a gaming. He loved his games. <laughs> right. Which was great. It's totally innocent. Like, you know, he, he just loved all that. To the end, he did. We used to carry, mach- you know, seen the machines in his dressing rooms and stuff. But, um, yeah, he was good. He's very, very approachable. Like, yeah. You know, you, you know, he, he was he was good. Yeah, he he, he just he always was himself. Mm-hmm. And when, when he realised that you, you're not getting any crap off the guy, it, it kind of it's easier for you because you know you're in the, the real deal. Like whether mm-hmm. you like it or not, you know there's you know it's the truth. So you're not worried is he is he being like this for any reason? Why you you just you know what you get. So it does make life easier. But he was good as gold. Mm-hmm. That was always his goal, you know, you know that, man. And I think, once again, going back to what he said, that's why so many people showed respect for him at his passing. Because, And I'm sure there are people that say bad things about Lemmy, but I've never heard it in the world of rock and roll with all the people that I know. That's a pretty rare thing. Nobody to go, man. That guy's a... No, it's very rare, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really it's is. As rare as you buy, buying a pint. That's, no, that never happens, so that's super rare. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> when, huh? when Wurzel left the band, uh, when you guys were a four-piece and went back to a three-piece. Was there ever um, the, uh, was there ever an idea to get another guitar player, or, or what was the decision made for, to go back to a three-piece with you as the? the um, like before anyone said anything, I said, "Listen, boys," I, I said, "I I truly believe it's going to sound great as a three-piece." I said, "Let's give it a go." And uh, believe me, I told them, "If we need another guitar player other than myself, I'll be the first one to say that." But after, the boys, uh, well. Mickey will tell you now because he's the only one left mm-hmm. alive, unfortunately. But they'll say after the first uh, two or three songs in, in the rehearsal room, it was obvious that uh, it was going to work fine. But if, if, if I, 
I didn't have any problem with another guitar player. Like, but uh, if if it hadn't have worked, but it was it was better with the three of us, I think, and it worked. So, but I was quite I was quite willing. That's that's what I said. That's what I told him anyway. So. Uh, well, and, and now that you know years later that Lemmy was the one that wanted you in the band uh, beforehand, that's probably one of the reasons why it was easy for him to agree to it. I got, I got everyone to agree to my things anyway, Chris. But yeah, because <laughs> you won't stop whining about it. <laughs> I know, no, no, no. no I, I, never, I never thought of it that way. Uh, now I only found out about if I was Lemmy's choice like recently kind of thing. But um, what was... It, was all, it was all good to be... be, be got a, a great legacy of music and everything, and uh, I've been—I came from the studio today. Actually, I rushed back. I've been recording some new songs today for my my old stuff. Well, let me uh, ask you this: talking about the Motorhead uh, style of songwriting, how how did that work? Because you guys are very prolific. You put out a new record every two years, every eighteen months. When it was time to do a record, how did you guys uh, put it together? Uh, I try try and come up with as much riffs and ideas as I could. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great deal, really. But um, basically, I, I would I would come up with a lot of the, the main riffs and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that, and then play them to the boys, and then we'd all argue. <laughs> Somebody'd say that's shit. Somebody'd say that's wonderful, and then we all start arguing and everything. And uh, you know, but it's, but it's good though because that's that's why the music is good because we did, we never we never wrote or recorded for record companies for fans. We did it for us three. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't. We, we did it for us. We wrote the music. Well, the three of us liked, or the four of us liked. No, for nobody else. Not, you know, some fans may find that a little bit insulting, but it, it makes it. You know, that's just the it's purity. Then, you know, otherwise right. you get a watered down bunch of shit, doesn't it? Really. So I think that's that's helped. That's helped the the respect and the longevity of of Motorhead. It's a good good legacy. Like you know. So would Lemmy come up with some riffs as well? Would he, would everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mickey be singing riffs in my head and stuff. It'd be, you know, it was it was a, it was definitely it was all all you know, it was a band thing. A group. Occasionally, Lem would just come up with an entire song, like a, a got nice rocker song. Mm-hmm. And maybe one an album in its entirety. Lem, Lem did all the lyrics, obviously. Uh, we let him do the lyrics because he was the best at the lyrics. You know. Mm-hmm. He's got to sing them too, so he's got to feel them. Yeah, 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 and he—I think you'll agree as well. He's—he's he's one of the best. It's like a—it's like poetry in it. A lot of the stuff, you know. Poetry, historical, yeah, yeah. That's uh, and that's one thing with Lemmy too. You know, going to his house and seeing all of his artifacts that he had from all the you know the World War One and World War Two artifacts. It was incredible how much stuff he had in his apartment and how much he knew about every uh, every item. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Do you know what? This is this is a good point actually. If it was a word I never, I never understood, like a you know, not a, a word regularly used in English language, mm-hmm. right? I I wouldn't be, you know, I I'd, I'd be I'd be fine. I say, hey, Lem, what does this word mean, right? And not once did he not know what it meant, not even one time in all these years. Really? <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not illiterate or nothing. You know, I, I read a lot and stuff. But I got a guy, he read so much. Yeah, he was very intelligent in that. You know, uh, did he go and look at uh, you know different, um, I don't know, like uh, castles or battlefields or or historical places when you guys were on the road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever go he, together? He, when he was, when, yeah, especially like um, in the earlier days when you know, mm-hmm. 
But um, yeah, he he go he go to the tanks and we go we go and he'd say, see that, but uh, that's where this happened, or this is where that's happened, or ten thousand people were slaughtered there, or this is well, whatever, you know. And he he wasn't a he hated war. He he wasn't a Nazi, whatever. He just liked he liked the he liked the. He'd, he'd buy like an outfit or something, you know, or a dagger, and he'd, he'd look at the, in, the intricacy of, look at look at the thing on that, look at the handle, look at that, look at the munching the craftsmanship on that, well, that took that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know, he hated he hated violence or more, you know, and uh, you know, people, anyone that's got any doubt should. We should put that to bed right now, you know. Right. So yeah, I had him on my show, and he's like, you know, if so, he goes, if someone thinks I'm a Nazi, he goes, I've got a black girlfriend, I've got hair down on my shoulders, and I hate war. I'd be the worst Nazi ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's yeah. It was, it was, I know. We'll miss. We'll miss the. We'll miss the old fruit. <laughs> well, it, it's hard for you. You mentioned you're doing some some riffs of your own now and stuff because. And I find this happen with Vinnie Paul when when Dimebag passed away. You lose your partner, you lose your best friend, and you also lose your your band. So, what, what does that mean for you uh, as a performer and as a player at this point? Um, well, I, I started writing some stuff from a sort um, like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like I've just been take. Well, it's funny, really. This now with this interview, this is the first time I've actually you know gone anything kind of public with it. I've done a few tweets here and there. Right. Um, but it's actually, I can actually have the time now to do stuff, everything in my life, which I would never, I was too busy to do. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and get my solo record good now. I'm going to try and do my book. Mm. I can, I've been, I've got offers to go and, you know, play with so many people. Oh, have you? you That's know, cool. Concerts. And then my all-star band, of course, with my kids and, yep. and Mr. Neil Starr. So we can we we've been booking up for festivals now and everything, and we're going to record a lot of stuff there. So, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep busy, like you know. Um, I know I don't know yet. I just it's going to be to do with music. I've always got to play music and everything, you know. Well, and, uh, stuff like that. And Motorhead you know? was so busy. You guys were touring all the time. It seemed like so. That's you know that's that's part of your your DNA at this point after 30 years of doing that. Yeah, no, I know it's weird. I, you know, I've some I've broken down a few times. Like my wife's gone off, come on, Phil, try and get over stuff. And I said, yeah, but I expect to be, I expect to be packing now. You know, I expect mm-hmm. you know every every two weeks I was going away for for three weeks. Right. Yeah, you know? but um, yeah, it's just it's really weird at the moment. But uh, you know, we've got to try and celebrate it all. Really, it's no good digging myself a hole and everything. I'm. I'm really, really sad that Lem's no longer with us and Phil Taylor. Mm-hmm. No, and like you know, Bowie's gone. But I, I only met Bowie once. I didn't know him like I live knew Lem and all that. You know, so Lem, Lem is the most has affected me more than anything. Like obviously, but um, because well, you wouldn't want me to just just sit there, you know, and and stuff and. You know, well, yeah, it's on, funny because he even said in the past, it's like, you know, if I if I die and the other guys want to continue on as Motorhead, I wouldn't care. But obviously you can never do that, but he definitely wants you to continue playing and, and doing your thing. Yeah, he did, yes. One of, his, one of our best friends told me the other day, he'd been speaking to Lem the last year or two, and he said, oh, I, know for a, I know for a fact that Lem, he wouldn't want anything, anything happen to him. He said, I know Lem told me that 
he wouldn't want anything like to stop me and everything like that. But I mean, you know, it's never, nothing's ever going to be called Modred again. I can tell you that now, hundred percent. So it's just, you know, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't disrespect. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not Modred without Lem, is it? Would yeah. you ever consider doing like a one-off at a festival, like a tribute to Lemmy type thing with you and Mickey and um, you know special guests or something along those lines? Yeah, we've had offers. I, I do the odd, I do some stuff for, for you know special guests and some charity stuff maybe, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do a tour in. I wouldn't do a proper. I wouldn't entertain any of that. I, I'd miss it, I'd miss Lem on there, you know. I'd, yeah, I'll do, a, I'll do concerts, occasional concert like yeah, for good causes, you know. Or, yeah, you know. Because that's the thing maybe, you do. You, oh, oh, maybe even for money, I can afford to wear leather jackets. <laughs> no, you, you can't afford that type of, of, uh, of financial <laughs> strength. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, about Filthy Animal, uh, Filthy Animal Taylor, Phil Taylor, because he passed away very recently as well. Maybe only a month or two before Lem did. Yeah, yeah, he was always he was always quick off the mark, Filthy. Yeah, he was um he was another character. Mm-hmm. He was insane. The Mo band of sanity. Um, <laughs> There's never been anyone like Taylor, actually. We, me and them watched him once try to get out of a, the revolving door of the Hyatt, I think the, the Hyatt Hotel in on Sunset. I think it, yeah. I think, I think it was that one, a revolving door. It took him three and a half minutes to get out, <laughs> get his dark glasses on. And we used to, I was, we used to run it before airport security. He'd, We'd, if you stood behind Filthy, you might as well go and take a, have a coffee break. You'd have whips and chains and leather. <laughs> Taking hours, hours. <laughs> and, 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 that's why I got a steel plate on my ankle. I still got it because years ago in, in Lille, just outside France. Yeah. I just, I just bought new cowboy boots. Really, an hour before, I went into the dressing room and I said, "Filthy, you drum like a." F- and he looked at me and he went, poof, and he punched me. And my, my ankle went over the dressing room bit, over the step. And oh. I, I stood my ankle. I had to go to hospital everything. I was in a cast for six weeks <laughs> and everything. But uh, it was brilliant. <laughs> He's not a lunatic, like. <laughs> well, that was that. Every night, towards, towards when Filthy was with us, we'd be playing away and Filthy would play something. It says nothing at all to do with the song. We'd be in the middle of a song. He'd be tapping away and he'd play something so bizarre. It'd be, and I, me and them would look at each other like, I'd go, F- it, oh, what the hell was that? And then, then I, in the dressing room, said after the gig, I say, Filthy, what the f- was that you played in that song like that? And he'd, he'd say exactly the same thing every night. Well, I thought I held it down quite nicely. <laughs> 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 every night. Uh, uh, good old days, eh? I know. Yeah, Filthy was great. <laughs> He's a lovely guy. He was a lovely guy. It was great that we brought him on. Uh, he turned up to see us at Download, I think. I think it was Download, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we, we brought him on the stage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was always, uh, you mentioned, you know, Motorhead was a group of, uh, you know, insane guys. And that was kind of Motorhead's reputation was the amount of you know, liquor you could drink and kind of the, the mayhem and the craziness of Motorhead. Now, obviously, some of that is, is, is showbiz myth, but, I mean, I've seen it, you know, that's there's some truth to that, though. Oh, it's loads of it. Wait till my book comes out. It's going to make Lamb seem like a bloody Old Testament. Really. <laughs> Just from it's, the... Uh, some, it's going to be, yeah, the stuff I, I can, well, all the funny stuff, you won't, won't believe it. We must believe it. It's total insanity, like, but we we survived it somehow. So what did you? you get... love it. I, your your books as well. My 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 boy Todd. He's he's read one of your books. He he recommends it highly. Well, you know, it, he hasn't the... read the second one yet. So, but I'm 
I'll start reading them, shall I? Right. Yeah, the, the, you, you'll will see. I be, will I be impressed or not? I think so. You'll see a lot of similarities yeah. between, you know, Motorhead and, and my world. And that, you know, when you're on the road, and this is the thing, when you're on the road for months at a time, like you said, home for two weeks, gone for four weeks, you have to let off steam. And it does make us crazier than the average person. And we do stuff that people would never even think of doing. And it's just I, average, uh, an average day for us. Well, seeing a professional wrestler and singer let off steam is. Is something that you have to see before you die. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Especially with the wrestling striking off. You know, they get outside, they all about six six cigars in each hand, some of them, <laughs> yeah. everything. <laughs> Would you guys go out after the show uh, as a as a band sometimes? No, 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 and again, yeah, 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 yeah. We could, not, yeah, yeah. We'd be, be great fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, be. be or would you come home like? Would you go out with other yeah. bands as well? Like, who did you like to hang out with from some of the other bands that you could go and have some fun with? Whoever well, well, could hang out with me was basically being the last one to cho- be chosen when he picked out for the football team in school. <laughs> that was it. Wasn't who I'd like to hang out with. It was who did hang out with Campbell, basically. <laughs> you know, try me. You try me again. No, I'm a good boy now. Yeah, well, that's the, like, yeah, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why you're still here. But back, back in those days, it was, uh, yeah, I, I'm surviving. Yeah, I'm doing good. What, um, what when you talking about like Motorhead songs? Which are some of your favorite ones that maybe are a little bit more more obscure ones that you wrote more on your on your own that you always had a special place for? I like Snake Bite Love, the track called Snake Bite Love. That mm-hmm. was a good one. And if if it was entirely up to doing for the last, I don't know. Ten years, it'd be entirely different. You know, I'd only keep Ace of Spades in, maybe Overkill, and mm-hmm. I'd change everything else around. But that's why we'd argue about the set lists and things mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, there's so many, so many songs all the time, Chris. But um, Snake Bite Love is good. If you want to, I don't know if you want to play that for some people. Well, I mean, the thing is, too, it's, it's, it's a hard mix, too, because you have so many classic Motorhead songs, but yet your new records always had great stuff. I think every year the records seem to get better than the one, the one before it. Even, even Bad Magic, it's a great record for... It's a good, good way to say goodbye to Motorhead if you're going to listen to yeah, some new Motorhead. Funny. Yeah, that was, that was pretty stressful. Uh, I, had, I was so stressed at that one. I, had, I went, and go, went and sat by Ronnie Dio's grave. Good old Ronnie. I sat with him for an hour. Really? To yeah, talk to him yeah, about, I, about what? Lems, Lems opposite, you know, they can wave to each other. <laughs> they can. What, 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 next door, I think. Yeah. What did you go? Um, what did you go talk to uh, Ronnie about at his grave? No, no, everything. I just had enough. I just was so stressed doing the last album in Bad Magic. It turned out great. Mm-hmm. I just saw one one Saturday. We had a Saturday off, and I just went out. I've got to go and see Adam. Adam Jones from Tool. He wanted to come with me as well, but uh, he was really pissed off. Uh, I didn't. But um, I just sat with Ronnie and just you know, just I don't know, you know, just the private stuff. Just yeah, it was great. It was really good. I love Ronnie. Ronnie was amazing as well. I miss Ronnie so much as well. In what way? Tell us a little bit about Dio. Yeah, oh, he was one of the funniest guys, funniest guys in the world, man. He, Every, every time we toured with him, he'd, he'd come up to Mickey and I met, he'd say, suppose there's any chance of is Phil going to be wearing some of his summer collection? He'd like to see me wearing dresses and everything. <laughs> he, was, he was brilliant, Ronnie. He was, he was, he was the funniest guy. He, he told me the world's, the 
funniest thing in the world once in the corridor. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I've been trying to think what it was. We was laughed so much. <laughs> we laughed so much. We, we watched Man of War once. And he's, we, he, we, we watch it and we go, come on, come on, we're on tour with them, them guys. And uh, we're watching the drummer, he's hitting his cymbals and they're not moving and everything. <laughs> and Ronnie's going, look at this. Symbols, Campbell. Look, they're not even fucking moving. I, I was standing behind Ronnie with a glass of milk, and it all went over, all over his hair. Everything. We didn't care though. <laughs> Ronnie was a tuba. You knew Ronnie as well. He was brilliant, Ronnie. Yeah, absolutely, man. Great guy. Very, very. Oh, like you said, one time I went up. I went up to his. He, he gave me the address first time I went up to his house. The address now. So I press. I think I'm at the right place. So I, I see these big blue gates, but it's got wizards and stars and you know, and rainbows on it. So I press the button, these gates open, and I drive up the big driveway like that, and I walk in, and uh, the, the, the maid in there, I said, all right, can we tell Ronnie Phil's here? Oh, Ronnie? Ronnie? No, Ronnie here. No, this, this Tom, Tom Petty, Tom Petty house. I went, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I went back out, I said, Ronnie, where's your, which for your... House. I said, I just went into the Wizards and the Stars gates like that. She said, it was Tom Petty's house. She said, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have cheap gates like him. She said, I'm next door. But like, apparently they used to throw each other's garbage over. They, they, they didn't like each other for some point. Like grumpy old men. Yeah, they used to chuck garbage over each other's walls, which I thought was funny. But I think they made up towards it. <laughs> there's there's an unknown. If you see gates, right, with wizards and rainbows on them, right, and stars, you've got to be Ronnie's, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have them cheap fucking things. Mine are prop of oak from England. All his houses, he had all the best wood flown in from England. And everything. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> And then I, I beat him. I beat him on a snooker on his own snooker table. I beat him. He wasn't happy with that. He's brilliant. <laughs> oh man, I he love. Funny. He was a funny fucker. I love the yeah, rock. I love Ronnie. Yeah, Ta- it was great. Petty versus Dio, the rock and roll blood feud that no one knew about. Wendy told me, yeah, he was just throwing garbage trash over. I wouldn't have cheap gates like Petty. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't make it up. <laughs> so you you mentioned being stressed out doing bad magic. What was uh, what was stressful about it? Because the other boys wouldn't wouldn't listen to me. Oh, okay. I didn't. I was right, and they were wrong. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know. Who who? You know, but um, it's always it's always good. It's, if it's too easy, it's not worth doing. How was Lemmy's uh, uh, his vocals? Like he sounds good on the record. Was it hard to get that performance out of him? Uh, was he in good health when you guys tracked that record? Uh, yeah, yeah. When you say good health, like yeah, he was good. I don't know. I still don't know how he did, how he accomplished what he did all the time, Lem. Mm-hmm. He just had he just pulled something out. He must have had he got something inside him and just just do it. It's, it's like it's, it's like the way he just kept Motred together. Like you know, we've had some bad like we've had an amazing manager now in the organization, Todd Singerman, for for many years now. Great guy. Yeah, but before that and stuff, you know, we had we got we didn't have, we were penniless for years, and and you know nobody wanted to sign us and really book us. And but he, 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 I don't know, it's just something kept him going. Like you know, he, he was just unique. It's not nobody's going to be ever like him. Todd Todd Rundgren told me he said, "Oh, we want we shan't see we shan't see his like again," and he was bloody dead right. You know, 
Well, I mean, Amazing. those guys came from a different era. You mentioned Bowie and, you know, guys like that coming from the 70s all the way to the, you know, year 2016, still being relevant, still creating, still being excellent performers. That 40-year career, uh, yeah, you're right. You're not going to see a lot more uh, iconic guys like that. No, nah, it's not going to, it's not going to change it, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. not going to be, I don't know. We've got to keep, we've got to, we've got to teach our people, Chris. We've got to teach people how we should be done. Oh, yeah. You know? The rock and roll way. way. A bit. We have to follow on. We can't let people like let them go without. Uh, people have to learn. Mm-hmm. Have to learn. You know, you, you've got to have fun with it all. If you're doing, if you're in a business just to make money, forget about it. You got to have fun with it. You got to be a character, and you got to be nice to people and stuff. And then, and you love, and things will be good for you. Then I think. When you, you know? said uh, Motorhead was penniless, was that like in the '90s? Was it a tough time for Motorhead, or what was Motorhead's lowest peak? The lowest time when we met you. <laughs> Softball. That was an well, easy one. You. They are. Yeah, that was go. an easy one. I caught you, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, folks. I'm serious. As iconic as Motorhead is in this day and age, because let me mention that too. He said we didn't mean anything in the States until that movie came out in about 2009 or so. So there was some tough times for Motorhead uh, during certain years of your career. No, I don't. No, we had some tough times. It took us, you know. To, I don't. I, I don't really remember. But the early days, the early days were tough. Like twenty, twenty gotcha. years ago, they were tough. Like, yeah, Lem didn't. He didn't know anything about. Was a Lem was a very wealthy man actually, but hmm. he didn't. He didn't keep account of it or nothing. Like he said, he has no idea what his what his, you know, what his estate is. Probably he has no idea. He just just going down a casino. Like, mm-hmm. but he was in the early days. Yeah, it was. It was is, you know, we shouldn't have had we should, people used to take our money, you know, and we, we'd be too, they, they keep us too busy. They keep us on the road, like, and, uh, you know, oh, we can't suit, you can see the lawyer next week, and then by the time next week came, we'd be off on the road, and you'd forget about it. Right. You know, they make, they make sure you had plenty of beer in your dressing room, whatever you wanted, and then they'd take you from, from thousands of millions, like, but uh, mm-hmm. all's well, it, all's well, it ends well, like, was Lemmy the the sole owner of Motorhead type thing? Was it his his I don't know corporation or ownership or whatever? No, 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 no. There's four of us. Oh, good. So you're a partner in Motorhead. Oh, I've been since day one. Yeah. That's that's great. So oh, so as soon yeah. as as soon as you got, uh, I, I, I called you from Florida, from Wales. If if I wasn't a if I wasn't a thing, you'd be calling me, mate. <laughs> So that's interesting to me, though. So as soon as you were made a member of the band, you got part ownership of the band as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the good thing with Lem as well, melodies and the lyrics, legally he was entitled for 50% of the, the songwriting. Mm-hmm. And then like the other band members, including Lem, would split the other 50. Mm-hmm. But he never did that. We all just split it all straight away. Oh, so he really... all three ways. He really believed in the concept of a band, in, yeah, in all sense did, of the yeah. word. It was his band. He do anything for his band. I'm not having my band do this. This. I'm not having my. Band. Loved it. He loved it. Yeah, you got it. You hit the nail on the head there, Chris. Yeah. He loved it. Once again, shows what kind of a honorable guy that he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the 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 fan the the fans of Motorhead, uh, because it's 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 an army. You know, it's a real uh, a lifetime thing. You go to Germany and Motorhead is life. Um, what do you think it is about Motorhead that had such a uh, loyal, loyal fan base worldwide? 
I don't know, I guess. There's got to be something to do with, with the music. Like, we mm. write for ourselves and we just write... We want people... We just write what we think is good music and want people to come and just get drunk and have a good time for an hour and a half in the night, you know, and then they go back to work the next day mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I really... I don't know. You have to ask them people, Chris. I don't, I don't know. You have to ask them. I, I just... I'm not sure, mate. I really don't know. I think I think it's because it's got to be to do with the music, though. And it's real. You know, and we try. You know, sometimes we don't want to speak to people like after the show or before for whatever reasons. You can't do it every night. Mm-hmm. Most nights we try to do it. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it just might catch you on an off night, and then they say, "Oh, Camo is an asshole. He, he didn't come out. He, whatever." Some we can't. We can't be a. You know, we, we do it three hundred nights a year. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, but. Uh, I, I think it's because motor, motor, Motorhead is real. The music, the music stayed true to itself, I think. Yeah. Over all these years, you know, and we, we there's never any. We never tried to put a filler song on an album just to make it up. Mm-hmm. We just we we tried to write the best we could every time, you know. And sometimes we we more it was turned out better than than other times, but we did try our best, and I think that kind of rubs off. And we showed up, apart from when we got ill a few of us now and again, we we showed up at the gigs. But we never tried it. We never had bad, really bad gigs compared to uh, other bands. Like ninety-seven percent of our shows were top-notch. Two percent of them weren't 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 top-notch, and one percent was horrible. Like uh, <laughs> which which is this the nature of of the business, you know? I mean, yeah, we had yeah, we had more good gigs. Yeah, we used to, and we used to have fun. People could see us having the fun on stage, you know. I always we'd laugh on stage, me and them. We'd be laughing and, and Mick, we'd, even if everything was going wrong, like things were blowing up, we'd, we'd look around, there's no computers on there, like we'd just bloody do it. You know? Yeah. If somebody fell over, if we fell over on stage, we'd just bloody sudden laugh, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I heard a saying once is Motorhead is like pizza and sex. Even when it's bad, it's still good. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Motorhead is always good, no matter what. Uh, yeah, yeah, we tried. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you could have a lot worse than I thought. You could have like a bad pizza. Should have called the album "Bad Pizza." Maybe. <laughs> There's your solo album. <laughs> just a couple more questions, Phil. I just want to ask you: What are you going to miss most about uh, about Lemmy? Just going downstairs. One of the things on a on a bus. Just not being able to just go to his room and hang out and buy him buy him gifts, mm-hmm. and like he'd be awake, he'd, he'd sleep in the daytime. Lem, he'd be awake most of the night reading or on his computer and stuff. And I on a tour bus, I'd have the room upstairs and the toilet would be downstairs. And I think one of the I just we come down in the middle of the night for a pee or whatever or grab, and you know, and he'd be there. He'd, he'd be at this table downstairs. I think I'll miss that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll just miss not being able to call him up. And I've been able to tell him he's playing too f***ing loud on stage. Turn it down, you asshole. I really miss that. And he'd say, what do you mean? You're louder than me. You f***ing turn it down first. And I'd say, no, you f***ing do it. It was brilliant. <laughs> Every night, it would be brilliant. It was. I, <laughs> you will not believe it. We could hear, even though it's majorly loud on stage, we could still hear, we could still hear the words asshole and twat. And, <laughs> we could, we could, <laughs> Prick, everything. We could do that. I, I, turn it down, you. F- why? 
could hear, we could hear the, the expletives, the swear words, great. We, had, we, had, we were finally tuned in. <laughs> even, though, even though it was a million thousand watts on stage, you could hear me call him a twat and turn it down, you prick from Stoke, everything like And he said, shut up, you Welsh twat. Turn it down yourself first. We could hear all that. It was brilliant. <laughs> I definitely missed all that, yeah. Just the camaraderie of being in a, in a band brilliant. with them. It was brilliant, yeah. There was yeah. nothing quite like it, Chris. It was amazing. Well, and that's the thing. Motorhead, too. The, the, you're, you're, no, you're not joking. So loud on stage. So loud. How could, how could you put up with that? Like, as a player, doesn't that drive you nuts? Uh, yeah, I just think about, no, it's good. It's brilliant. In, in the end, we saw death. <laughs> it, it, it's just quite normal in the end, really. All the, the top end has gone. Yeah. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, if a snake came up behind me hissing, I couldn't hear it. I have a huge watch collection and I can't hear any of my watches tick because all the top end's gone. But uh, it's just normal in the end. It's all been ruined anyway. It's good, actually. I just, um, I have a visual image of you going to like Africa and a snake coming up behind you and just biting oh, you in the ass. Yeah, I have no chance, right? Yeah, so stay away from you, you snake. You have to be behind me. You should put anybody your car. Looking out, I, I could pay you. I could afford you to. Uh, you could be my mind today, like. Uh, well, now that I know that you're a partner in Motorhead, man, I, I want to come work for you. You got way more money uh, than yeah. I do. Yeah, you're too late, Dave. <laughs> Last question, Phil. What uh, What were your favorite Motorhead songs to play uh, on stage? If it was a horrible, bad sound, the last one. No, I'm just joking. Um, Spades, that was great. Um, just because you got the power, I used to like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives me a little chance to play something not frantic because I'm a blues player at heart. I'm Absolutely. Not a, I'm not a heavy metal player. Like, and I, I had the slowest right hand in the business. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, was, it, was, it was good. It, it, in the end, it, well, not in the end, but, you know, if it's a good crowd and, you know, they're all good because we wouldn't, be, wouldn't have written them, we wouldn't have released them, we wouldn't mm-hmm. play them. Mm-hmm. But um, I like doing art, power, and everything. Ace of Spades, you know. I, yeah. It's hard to say, really. It's always the first song is always good. Whatever we, what different ones we start with, it's just an adrenaline thing. It's like you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like you say, what's your favorite moves you used to do? Right. On the wrestling and everything and stuff, you know. Oh, I used to. I know what yours is when you get your bloody face close to a pair of bollocks. And- <laughs> yeah, and looking up at the lights—that's my best move. Uh, the lights, yeah, uh, that's what you call them now, is it? I call them <laughs> testicles, I call them. That's what you call them over here. Yeah. I never told you this before. It's an interesting uh, thing. You mentioned how you're a blues player. And we were on the bus about a year ago when Malcolm Young was uh, diagnosed with, uh, you know, with uh, dementia and he had to leave ACDC. And I was like, I, Phil Campbell could, could play that gig. He could, be, he could be in ACDC. That's your kind of style. You could, you could lay into that and lock into it. Uh, I never thought of that before, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rich, Rich and I were both thinking that's your style of playing, really chunky rhythms with some really bluesy stuff going on. We thought if anyone could do it, I bet you Phil could do it. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Rich is great, isn't he? Tell Rich I said hello. I will, man. Everything. Yeah, he's a, he's a good interviewer as well. We had a classic interview, didn't we? That's right, yeah. He interviewed you for like Guitar Magazine. Everything. Yeah, Chris, it, yeah. Well, Phil, He's not quite as good as you, but he's... He's learning. He's learning. Yeah, he's much nicer than me, though. I I, I have no uh, time to be nice to you. Interviews are a bit shorter. They don't go on for an hour. <laughs> yeah, well. when you're half an hour late. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing my favorite soap now because of you. Lucky I can afford a video recorder, a VCR. Well, it's not like you have a band. You don't you don't have a band anymore. You got nothing to do, so you should be happy that you got to talk uh, to me for an be, hour. Yeah, uh, 
I don't know why I, I don't know why I agree to this with you all the time. <laughs> hey, listeners, Phil. don't ever agree to anything with Jerry. Go check the small print out first. <laughs> Phil, you're a great guy, man. And no matter what happens, I know you're going to be playing for a long time to come. You're a great player, and uh, and, and you're on my solo record anyway. You you agreed. I mean, when he was, you won't want to remember it because you were sober. <laughs> you agreed. You agreed to sing on a song. I'm in. Just tell me when. Tell me when and where. I'll be I'll there. Give you, I'll give you a choice of a couple of songs, right? So yeah, well, I, you know, you, you, you've been good company. Alfred's, Alfred's agreed, and Whitfield's going to sing it and stuff like that. Well, I already came and played with you at uh, Bloodstock and uh, saved the show for you there. So I'll be happy to come do the same on your solo record. That's good. Well, I played on uh, great. I played on your bloody album. You I? did, and you played with yeah, us at Bloodstock too. Fuzzy album, yeah. Yeah, man. Mind you, I agreed to that when I was drunk. You agreed <laughs> when you were sober. It's the same. Uh, Phil, that's it's a great. Good one, actually, yeah, agreed when you're sober. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I want to I want to patent that uh, the, the phrase. Yeah, I'm going to put yeah, it on a T-shirt it. and sell them, so you'll never get the yeah, rights. You're probably doing it. You're probably doing it now. Yeah, I already said it in the order yeah, to my you lawyers. On the phone now, you got you're your producer. You got one hand on a tweeting it now T-shirt. <laughs> so I want to sleeve off that jacket, right? I'll, I'll cut it in half. You wear one half, I'll wear the other half, and we'll go on stage. We'll do a Siamese twin act. <laughs> Phil, man, th- all right, Chris, are we done? I'm all good, man. So much fun, man. I, I enjoyed doing these with you every year. It's great. Yeah, you were great, man. It was it was uh, it was cool to hear some of those stories. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Ah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, you know, I, this is the first time I've uh, spoke to her since uh, Lemus passed and everything. But uh, yeah, I'm glad he was with you yeah. and uh, everyone out there. Listen, there's loads of good music out there. Mode, you know, Motorhead stuff. It's not just Ace of Spades. So check out all the things, and I'm sure, I'm sure everyone will find some hidden gems that they mm. didn't know. Yeah, the, know. the music lives on forever, for sure. Yeah. Cool. And um, look out for Fozzie as well, supporting Phil Campbell's All Star Band in the near future. It'd be Phil Campbell's All Foz Band. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Good talking to you, man. Thanks, Phil. Okay, you're welcome. Bye, Chris. Thanks to Phil Campbell, my old friend, played on the Fozzie tune, She's My Addiction. Great, great tune. And that was his first interview since his brother-in-arms, Lemmy, from Motorhead, passed away barely a month ago. Thanks to Phil for coming on Talk is Jericho and sharing his stories and memories of Lemmy. We're looking forward to Phil's solo record. I mean, he played on our record. Maybe uh, maybe he'll invite me to play on his. I don't know. But so far, he's got some huge names. The metal god Rob Halford of Judas Priest is going to be there. Whit Crane from Ugly Kid Joe is going to be there. So many cool names. Phil's got a great reputation he's a great guy and if you want to remember lemmy and celebrate motorhead i got a good way to do it go order all of their albums on amazon bad magic their newest album their last album is tremendous go check it out and if you do order bad magic or any other motorhead album use the talk is jericho amazon links you can get the new megadeth album dystopia debuted at number three in the charts congratulations to my bro dave mustaine and the rest of megadeth also on talk is jericho a few episodes ago go listen to that support two great bands and talk is jericho with one Quick click, go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, and Canada. A Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. You can buy just about anything you want on Amazon. Use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links. It won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. Go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All of my sponsors are there too. You have easy access to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and the new DDP Yoga Now app to betdsi.com to Solar World, uh, Geico, so many great 
great uh, sponsors. We thank them all. Please check them out. Thank you for listening. Keep on listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up right after this. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. See you on Friday for one of the newest members of the WWE roster. Everyone's talking about the new kid in town, AJ Styles. He is here. His first interview since being in the WWE exclusively with Talk is Jericho. He returns to talk about his amazing debut at the Royal Rumble, his first impressions of the WWE, his overall goals. AJ Styles will be here on Friday. Stick around, check it out. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you then. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.